talks about measuring backwards because often we end up changing, chasing moving targets, right? You set whatever your goal is. I want to make this much money or I want to have this many downloads or have this many followers or, or, or bench press this much weight or, or, or get this belt. And I know you do jujitsu, right? It's jujitsu. Yep. Yeah. And then you hit those things and then you're like, you can't take that moment to like stay in them and be like, wait a second. The thing I'm doing right now, three months ago, was my like dream scenario, and now I'm doing it. And so it's really important to always measure backwards. Like if you were to make a list, we have the guys do this in our group. If you were to make a list of what have you accomplished over the last um, ten years, right? You would start with I've had two children. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's got to be on the list. That's a huge, huge. I've raised two children. I have two happy children. We've purchased a home. Uh, or, or we've moved twice. I've, you started a podcast. And, and so sometimes we forget to measure backwards because we're always looking, we're looking for the next peak. And I think it's really important to remember, wait a second, let's just like enjoy this view for a few minutes because it was hard to get here. And then we can climb again. It was like, you know, you turn the radio on and it's like new story, new story, new story, new, negative, negative, ne right? And and yeah. I was like, I can't live in this space anymore. So I'm like, let's start a podcast. I did 25 episodes during the mm -hmm. pandemic and it was fantastic. Like just talking to, I initially started with just talking to like my own mentors, like guys who had retired or, or other way. And then it turned into like, all sorts of conversations. We explore. I mean, last year in particular, people were talking around George Floyd, like around equity and how yeah. that works out in a school. So a lot of the conversations did involve equity and race, but it, it was great to like, you know, you could message. I messaged like a couple directors of education and be like, "Hey, I have a podcast. Would you talk?" And they're like, "Yep." <laughs> These people aren't like gonna say yes to you. Hey, can can we just talk? But when you say you have a podcast, so I had some great conversations and enjoyed the learning because last year was nuts for teaching, right? It was just like we had kids on the computer while we had kids live. We had masks. We had kids splitting days, all sorts of stuff. So the podcast was like my, my happy place, I would say, my passion mm -hmm. project. It was totally like just totally got into it. And what made and you're, you're not doing that anymore, right? Um, I would say it ended in June. I, I ended in June with the 25 episodes I wanted. And then we started the school year again. And this is the next part of the story. The kind of the conversation. So much, so much I learned during COVID about where I wanted to direct my time with my kids and my family. So much of that. It just, it gave you a bit of a reset. It was like, wait a minute. Um, I would like to be home for the hours that my boys are awake. I would really like to be home for those hours. And so some of the extracurricular stuff I was doing, the podcast, uh, it just kind of like for a few months there, I was just like, I'm prioritizing family. And then yep. out of a few months later, uh, Vince and I started the online business that we're doing now. So it was just like, and then, you know, having a side project in addition to an actual job, that that's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> so that podcast yeah. was kind of it ended on a high like my last episode was with uh 
a director of education of, of the biggest Catholic board in, I think, the world, actually, Toronto Catholic District School Board. And um, and uh, that was such a great episode. We ended on a high, and I left there feeling like, I don't know if we'll come back. And then things, you follow the direction of your life. And, and part of it was my kids, you've got young kids, too. My kids are getting to an age now where if I'm not careful, all they hear from me is like, discipline uh and what i mean by that is like you know we'll arrive at the beach for example on vacation and my my sons will like take off for the whole day right they'll just mm -hmm. like go they go like catch frogs or like looking for snakes like whatever yeah and so in one respect it's sweet because we've been in this hands-on phase for the last nine years so my wife and i are like sitting there talking but then I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, what are my boys actually hearing from me in any given day? And you know what they hear? They hear a lot of, like, okay, boys, brush your teeth. Time for breakfast. Get your shoes on. Let's get to the beach. And then we arrive at the beach. They hear nothing from me. What's yep. the next thing they hear from me if I'm not careful? Come on, guys. need you to help pack up. Got to load the van. Time to go, boys. And so I don't want my boys to hear that from me. I'll, I don't want the only thing my boys hear to hear from me is to be like commands to do things they don't want to do <laughs> right so when we yeah. stopped the podcast it was it wasn't necessarily saying no to podcasting it was saying yes to my sons and i, I realized the windows are i'm not living with the sense of like fear i think i'll always parent like until the day i die but i certainly know that the time we're at right now requires me to be incredibly intentional about what we're doing with the kids um if that makes sense <laughs> No, absolutely. So you said you had, um, what were the ages of your kids? Yeah, I have three boys. They're five, seven, and nine. Five, okay. seven, nine. Yeah. 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 No girls, huh? No girls. We thought the third one was. We, we absolutely were convinced. And then when my wife, we found out before he was born, my wife's like, it's another boy. And we both were like, oh, of course it was going to be another boy. <laughs> Ain't, mm -hmm. uh, my, my wife only has brothers. I have two brothers. So we've only grown up with boys. Um, so it's high energy around here all the time. It's a lot of oh, physical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of physical just activity. Just with one boy. <laughs> I, just, I just have one boy, one girl, uh, eight and six. Yeah. And they're crazy. But his energy is completely different than hers. You know, mm. she'll – like last night, he, my wife was holding my daughter, and he just ran on the ground and tried to do a jujitsu takedown on her. I was like, stop. <laughs> Don't do that. Like she would have fell backwards into the fireplace. Like yeah. it just chaos, you know, just destruction and chaos. I can't imagine having three of them at home. You know um, what? It, um, it's, it, it, it's always like everything is a blessing in some respect and a challenge in another respect. So there's, there's, there's many things I love about it. And I guess I don't know what I'm missing. You know what I mean? Never had girls, never had a sister. So it's, uh, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's fine. Um, yeah, I came from a family. I had four brothers, four sisters, and grew up in like a two-bedroom house, small place, one bathroom. So that was chaos in itself. I mean, it was just constant wrestling and battling and fighting and craziness the entire time. Family of but, nine. You're from nine. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Holy. What? What Big number Catholic are you? Family. I'm the third oldest. Big Catholic family. Yeah. Yeah. What's your background? Um, you mean like religion? No, or, or like, I, I meant like, uh, like where you're like country, we're Italian. Like, <laughs> oh, um, we're kind of like a, a European mutt. So we're Slovakian, um, Slovak, Polish, Irish, Italian, 
um, just a bunch of those countries. I think we're the most Slovak and Italian, though. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah someone got about- like a someone got like a thirty-three and me. They, their results came back when my brothers, and there was like twenty different things listed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think Slovak and Italian. Cool. Yeah. 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 My immig- my 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 grandparents all immigrated from from Italy too. Big. They had big families, but not as big when they got here. My my parents are three and four or three and four siblings. So, uh, but that that must have been that must have been nuts. Nine is. Oh yeah, no, it was crazy. We had we'd yeah. wake up in the mornings and we'd have like eight people lined up outside our one bathroom. Everyone's screaming, pounding on the door, telling the person inside to hurry up because they're taking too long. And when you're the person inside, it's really chaotic and nerve wracking because you, you know. You're trying to finish what you're doing. There's like five people outside screaming at you to get out. That's right. So yeah, a little different now, but we did. Mike, for me, when I was growing up, anyone that had their own bedroom was rich. That was it. If you had your own bedroom, any of my friends, they were the rich kids. That's how you it, perceived it. Really. Yeah, yeah. It was because it was me and my four brothers in one bedroom, and then my other, my sisters slept in one bedroom, and then my parents slept in the living room on a pull-out couch. Wow. Um, so for me, it was just growing up in that house i was like man yeah if you have your own bedroom you're one of the rich kids yeah yeah yeah, so now my kids get their own bedroom so they're a rich kid because they have their own bedroom that's it that's exactly it yeah it's interesting it's interesting what your baseline becomes right your baseline was the bedroom is rich and now it's uh anyways as you grow you you form your own family you make your own decisions do things differently yeah and then your goals change and your idea of what wealth is changes and your you know, idea of what the future would be changes, you know, because if I was a kid that age, I might think, man, someday I'm just going to have, you know, I'm going to get married. I'll have kids off their own bedrooms with a yard and that'll be it, yeah. you know, and then you hit hit another age and you, you think something else. And then you hit another benchmark and you think something else kind of a curse in some ways, but you know, our, our goals always keep changing. Yeah. Do you, um, it is a bit of a curse to have moving. One of the things we talk about in our group a lot is measuring backwards. Right, like um, a, a great book called um, "The Gap in the Gain" by Dan Sullivan talks about measuring backwards because often we end up changing, chasing moving targets. Right, you set whatever your goal is. I want to make this much money, or I want to have this many downloads, or have this many followers, or 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 bench press this much weight, or 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 get this belt. And I know you do jujitsu, right? It's jujitsu. Yep. Yeah. And then you hit those things and then you're like, you can't take that moment to like stay in them and be like, wait a second. The thing I'm doing right now, three months ago was my like dream scenario and now I'm doing it. And so it's really important to always measure backwards. Like if you were to make a list, we have the guys do this in our group. If you were to make a list of what have you accomplished over the last um, 10 years, right? You would start with, I've had two children, (laughs) You know what I mean, like that's got to be on the list. That's a huge, huge. I've raised two children. I have two happy children. We've purchased a home, uh, or or we've moved twice. I've you started a podcast, and and so sometimes we forget to measure backwards because we're always looking. We're looking for the next peak, and I think it's really important to remember. Wait a second. Let's just like enjoy this view for a few minutes because it was hard to get here, and then we can climb again. No, that's really wise. That's it's really good to. Uh to think about me personally, I know I, I do that too. You know, it's always the next benchmark. How many of these things do I want to get done this week? And it's good for driving you forward, but you know, you can create kind of a chaotic mental state whenever you're constantly looking for the next thing. Yeah. So yeah, that's a real good, um, 
practice you have your guys do. Yeah. Um, so you went, so you had a teacher podcast and then you stopped that focus on your kids, spend time with them. Then what caused you to start the men of bedrock brand? That's a great question. Um, so my brother Vince and I had, um, differing views during the pandemic. Um, mm. not as differing perhaps as sometimes when you have differing views, people end up being positioned as polar opposites when really they're not polar opposites. They're not that far apart, but, but it's like you're either, uh, use American, uh, either Democrat or Republican. Like you're either one yep. or the other, you're either this far or this far and you're not, there's no room for like, well, wait a minute we actually agree on a heck of a lot of things. And so unfortunately, a lot got positioned around how, how, how far apart we were. And I, I think the biggest reason for that was during the pandemic, um, as a teacher, I lost $0 of pay. You know what I mean? Like my, 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 we kept teaching, we went online, and we just kept getting paid, right? Like we were working, we were teaching, but my financial livelihood never came under threat during the pandemic my brother is an entrepreneur, right? And so totally his life changed. They, they couldn't go to gyms. The people he was coaching couldn't go to their gyms. He's a, he coaches fitness, um, uh, online fitness coaches. And so his whole livelihood was, came, was affected. And so I don't think it was our, the things that we um, disagreed on that drove us apart. It was that we had totally different contexts. And so for, I don't know, 18 months, we we struggled to find common ground. And then what happened mm -hmm. was Vince said, hey, I think we need to do something together. And he pulled a bunch of guys together and we did 75 hard. You know, 75. <laughs> it's like, yep. when, he told, when he told me he wanted to do it, I'm like, this is stupid. Like, we're going to work out twice. A, like, we, we already really believe in fitness, but we're going to work out twice a day. Like, that's the plan. And then there's a whole bunch of other items to do. Mm -hmm. The program was enjoyable enough, but what ended up happening was uh, Vince brought together eight guys um, from his world. We were all in a group chat. Yep. Um, in 75 Heart, at the end of every day, you get, like, a report. You put in your, like, check, 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 check. And then every night in the chat, guys would post their results like how did you do mm -hmm. uh, well in 75 hard if you make a mistake you're out so it was basically like we're going to stick to this program and 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 during that time we saw the power of guys doing something together there was eight of us uh, every guy i think had tried 75 hard before and had failed on day mm. vince had a funny story he failed on day one the first time <laughs> then he failed on day three the second time because he was trying to do it alone so this was like his third go at it yeah and and we all did it right 150 workouts all the other stuff and vince and i were working out together and so during that it was the this past winter the winter of 2022 and while we were doing 75 hard together, every morning we were working out. And it was funny, like some of the stuff we disagreed on politically would come up a little bit during the workout. But because hmm. we were in the context of a workout, we just kind of like powered through. Be like, I'd ask him, my, I'd be like, so you believe this about whatever? <laughs> right as he's got the weight on his So <laughs> should you be vaccinated? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. It's, but, but guys need that. I, I, I think men... We can sit and talk when it's necessary, but I think we're way better when we're doing something, 
like when we're what's in the context of some kind of physical activity. And so this really worked for us. So in these conversations, we we were seeing firsthand how a kind of accountability and men working together could get people to a to a higher peak. Um, and so we just started like brainstorming. What could that look like? How mm-hmm. could we help men? And what we came up with was was our brand, Men of Bedrock. And, and, and the underlying principle of, of, of Bedrock is that the way you live ought to be on purpose. Like the decisions you make day to day should be intentional. They should be disciplined. They should be purposeful. And when you live on purpose, it changes your whole mindset. Um, what's interesting is what Andy Frisella talks about in 75 Hard is this is a mental training challenge. A lot of people use 75 Hard to get in shape, but he's very yep. clear. That's not the goal. The goal is to make you do things that you don't want to do. Like we were doing 75 Hard. Pittsburgh gets bad winters, Chris. How are the winters there? Miserable. Yeah, yeah. Our winters are miserable here while we're in Canada. I bet, I bet yours are worse. <laughs> but some of the times, like there would be guys in our group going out for their second workout of the day at 1030 at night. And yeah. it was minus minus thirty degrees Celsius. Like it was, and then we had another guy in our group in Florida. He's like, "Yeah, it doesn't get that cold." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, miserable anyway. is like twenty five. Okay, so anyways, but that was the point. The point was to teach you to do things on purpose, and then what happens is it changes your whole mindset because you know, if I have to, if I have to, like work out this morning, and I'm going to have to work out at the end of the day, that means. I have to slot time in for my kids. When's the, I can't just say to my wife, like at 6 p.m., I got to do workout too. You're on your own for dinner, right? Yeah. So what, what, what living intentionally does, certainly it gets more stuff done, right? Like the amount of stuff, we, we, we created a program while doing 75 hard and then doing my full-time teaching job. Like, so certainly get more done. But what it really does is shifts your mindset to like, okay, I'm going to have to be really, really disciplined and, and then and then everyone gets more time. My kids got more time. My wife got more time. Uh, my spiritual development, my physical development, everything got more time because you're just living with the sense that everything matters. Uh, we call our system, everything on purpose. That's what we would call our system. Like everything on purpose. Make make choices always that are that are by design, never by default. I love that. That's a great motto. Yeah. Everything on purpose. Yeah. Um. You so your brother had the um he had kind of had the foundation of the coaching program and he had a big network of guys and you did the seventy five hard and with that group of guys that was like your core men of bedrock people right no none of those guys are in bedrock <laughs> oh okay the, yeah yeah so we did seventy five hard with um just like some some of Vince's friends some of them who are guys who are in his coaching program. You know what? Yeah. Um, Vince's coach is a a, guy, uh, a man named Bedros Koulian. I'm sure you know Bedros is a pretty big name in the fitness space. And Vince uh, Bedros actually said to Vince sometime in January of this year, Vince was feeling like, I don't have confidence. I'm lacking self-confidence. And Bedros goes, that's mm-hmm. the problem. And he pointed at Vince's like gut. <laughs> that's what he said. Mm. He, goes, he goes, that's the problem. You. Wow. You need to lose that gut because you're walking around feeling like an imposter, right? You're, you're feeling like you, you can't lead people because you can't even lead yourself, right? You, you, yep. you, and so 75 hard was in, 
Bedros didn't tell Vince to do 75 hard, but he said you have to get in shape. So then Vince said, all right, we're going to do this. I failed at this before, so we brought a couple guys together. Then, then when we were done 75 hard, to answer your question, then you know, we had written our, our curriculum, and then we started advertising. So all the guys currently in our program were, were other men that we found through <laughs> – Marketing and you know the advertising, like ads. yeah, ads. We didn't, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, more, more or less, yeah. Just most, mostly. There's, I'm in marketing. I have an ad agency. It's that's how you. Here's the thing. There's such a mental cage that people like us can put ourselves in, or other guys put starting dad brands. You know, they think, well, if I if this isn't organic and word of mouth and spiritual, it's you know, it's it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter how you reach people and bring them into your program and help them. Whether it's yeah. from a Facebook ad or it's from a direct message, like if you, they come to you in some way and you can help them, that's the only thing that matters. Yeah, you and know? you know what? If you don't, but, if you don't have clients, you're not a coach. <laughs> you know, yeah, you just have a good exactly. idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what Bedro says. He's always like, "Sure, you you can be a great coach, but if you don't market, you don't eat." <laughs> so it's kind of like yeah. you you need to bring in. You absolutely have to have clients. And that part's been a real that's that 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 has been the growth opportunity for me. To to be totally honest with you, what I thought once we had a curriculum, I thought Vince would write a couple emails, put them on his Instagram, and we'd have people giving us money. <laughs> that's how I thought marketing worked. Like yeah. my brother my brother's got a following, he's gonna write some emails, bada bing but and it's not how it worked. You know, there there was a lot of sales calls and follow up and nurturing and stress, I would say. Um, absolutely you know what one night i was stressed at the dinner table and my wife's like we play a game every night at our dinner table called roses and thorns and tell me about it oh yeah yeah so i would say this chris and we can go into this if you'd like the way i live on purpose in terms of my daily structure includes the daily habits i have for my kids as well because i know if i don't have habits in place every night at the fam at the dinner table um, or for bedtime routines or for one-on-one time, they don't happen. Work swallows mm-hmm. it up. Other, the other commitments swallow it up. So we're really intentional about the dinner table. Um, we, we, all the kids are involved in the, the preparing dinner. Uh, every kids have, they all, they all have jobs like to clear the dishes or to set the table. Um, we're really intentional about the dinner table. We, we have a chapter in our book about how to make that a ritual. And one of the things we do is we play games because I'm sure, you know, sometimes you like sit down for this beautiful meal and one of the kids just can like, the conversation doesn't go anywhere. It's just kind of like, you have a good day. Yep. Yeah. You have a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you eat and the meal is over, but the time of community, that opportunity to bond together is lost. So we play games. One of the games we plays is called Roses, Thorns, and Rainbows. And so Roses, Thorns, and Rainbows, everybody goes around. A rose is your um, highlight of the day. What was, what was the best thing that happened to you today? Um, thorn is uh, low, 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 whatever the worst thing that happened in the day was. And a rainbow mm-hmm. is what are you most looking forward to for the rest of the day? Um, and my boys, my boys have learned that rainbows is an opportunity to like – let us know about something they still want to do. So be like, my rainbow <laughs> is that we're... Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> my rainbow is we're going out for ice cream, maybe, right, Daddy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyways, to go back to Bedrock, one night I said my thorn was I was anxious about these sales. And my son goes, why? Because no one will buy it? And then my other son goes, or that no one will like it. 
and my wife and I both burst out laughing because I'm like, yep. <laughs> you just like got to my identity right there. No one will buy it. No one will like it. And so, there you go. yeah, pushing myself outside my comfort zone for sales has been, um, has been hard. Yeah. It's been hard. That's been the hardest part, I think, but necessary. Yeah, yeah. It's necessary. It's tough. Um, I remember doing tons of sales calls with realtors and other people too. We have a program where we find them clients. Um, when I first started that, it was tough because for whatever reason, if you grow, especially me growing up in this big Catholic family, you're very hard work oriented. Even if you're getting paid nothing, you just work. And the idea that you can get paid a lot of money based on a value that you have, you know, was not making sense to me. And you kind of feel guilty whenever you're starting out doing these sales calls, asking people for money. Like the hardest thing for me was at the end of the sales call saying, blah, blah, blah. And they, they would say, yes, we need your service. And you'd say, okay, what's your credit card number? And then getting to that point, you know, the close isn't just hard socially. It's more of like a moral dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth it. is like, yeah. and the, the truth is like successful business people, they just do it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they don't care. Like you, they're in it to change their life, change their family's life, grow a business. Like I'm, I had to realize that, man, I'm thinking on such a small level. Like if I had this thing scaled, like there was a guy in our group, um, he, he grew this massive solar lead company to like, he's at like three and a half million dollars a month right now. Wow. And yes. So he's, he has, he's doing like his company's doing like three, probably two to 300 sales calls a day or something. And I was like, man, I am this broken up and grinding over this closing of one sales call. Like this guy is in his office. He gets a report from his sales team. Hey, we had 300 sales calls, you know, 50 of them closed today. He says, okay, good. That's what he goes through. And there's me on the phone being like, oh, I don't know if I can close this one sales call I have yeah. today. Why is like, it hard for you? Um, It's not hard anymore, but it was because there was some type of I like moral issue with me where yeah. like I felt like, because it was so much more money than I was ever used to handling. I felt like it was unfair mm. where the math worked out. Like when we, we worked with realtors and, you know, when they close the kind of people we were working with, if they closed a house, they would get, you know, 10, $20,000 commission. So we would provide our service to them for a couple thousand dollars a month. And for me, you know, I grew up working at McDonald's for five fifteen an hour. And then I remember it took me six months to get a pay raise of a quarter and, 540, to, 540. Yeah. <laughs> so to make the leap to this, yeah. I, and I went from that to teaching, which is like, you know, your income potential isn't great. Um, to asking people for that amount of money was a huge like mind break for me. I got past it, but it took, it took a while. It took a constant repetition yeah. and to thinking of it more, more professionally, I think. You, you know what I did? I, I put them into my phone. I put the, as as we've been scheduling these calls, I I put them into my phone. I, I used to have them in my in my planner as sales calls. I actually changed it, and what's in my phone now? It says serve them calls. So I put them in literally their no their their so it's a serve them call, and and I think that mindset shift to me is really helpful. That that you know the way I set up a call is like tell me what's going on. What do you need that that is that is not. Like what's going on in your life that you're not getting to where you want to be? Listen, like legitimately listen. And then I say, well, this is what we have that might serve you. 
that might yeah. help you. And if they say, yep, that will help me, good to go. If they say, um, no, that won't help me, then 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 it's like, it's great meeting you. But like, I, I think that this, the thing I have to serve you isn't what you actually, I mean, I, when you first start, you even cast your net amongst your friends. That, that to me was tough, right? Like talking to my friends, but I, who yeah. else are you going to go? I didn't have, I didn't have leads. <laughs> so you go with your friends. And I remember yeah. being out with one of my good friends and telling him, this is what we offer. It's this discipline program that will help you live on purpose and it'll affect all the areas of your life. And he turns to me and goes, Adrian, that sounds amazing. I already live a really disciplined life. And I was like, great, let's just enjoy this coffee. And that was it. Uh, like it. It wasn't personal. It wasn't like, yeah. well, you know, you need to stop your limiting beliefs, bro. You need to, there's more for yeah. you. It was like, you, you don't need what I have for you and that's okay. Um, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe like the mindset of service. Um, I got to keep reminding myself that if I can help them, wonderful. If I can't help them, wonderful. Like that's, that's, yeah, like, that's, yeah, that's there's such there's so many skills that you have to learn when you start a business like this. Yeah, it's 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 not just you know, hey, I want to start a business. It's going to happen. It's like yeah, then you got to learn the sales calls. Then you got to learn how to close a sales calls. Then you got to learn your emotions through the, through the calls. Then you, you got to learn, learn to... you got to learn Instagram. You got to learn yeah. for, like, we don't have a budget to like yesterday for two hours. I was trying to make this one thing work on the cover of our journal so we could get it published on Amazon. I'm sure a professional could have done that in 30 seconds, Yeah, but we don't have the budget. So you, like you're learning everything, which is good, right? Like I'm on YouTube watching this tutorial and I'm like, okay, now I know how to do this skill. So yeah, that to me has been powerful too. Like, in education, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm currently a, a full-time teacher. And there's no incentive to change. <laughs> you know what I mean? We get, you get paid. Let me rephrase. There's no external incentive to, to, to change. Like, I get paid the same amount of money whether I do the job really well or really poorly. I think in the States, there's more. You guys get paid more or less based on some standardized tests and things. It, it's not like that in, in Canada. Um, no. Oh, any, it's not like that. No, yeah, nope. so we get paid, like, if I shut up sh uh, sh shop, close up shop exactly when the bell rings and go home and then wing my net lessons the next day, I'm going to get the same amount of money as if I put a ton of thought and run, like, a super engaging lesson that just brings out the best in my students. So that mindset, unfortunately, can be negative because you're not motivated to do anything different. Now, the pandemic forced us to do things differently, and that's been a great opportunity to learn new skills. But in starting this new business, you have to learn everything. Like, yeah. you have to learn. Like, it's so crazy you put stuff up on social. Like, to do a reel doesn't take 15 seconds. Nope. <laughs> it, it takes hours. Especially like, when Instagram <laughs> screws it up 10 times in a row. Right? No, but you got to, like, okay, what's my concept? Okay, then I got to film it. Then I got to edit it. Then I got to music then i gotta write the caption then now you have to have a cover piece of cover art for it like it's just yeah. but all those skills are now skills i have so i i'm not gonna say it was, it's bad it's it's been growth or like it's helped me grow so I, i'm okay with that <laughs> and that's one of the things when i look back on um our past of growing different businesses because we started with our ad agency five years ago and i grew it to a point um where it was i was getting three times my teacher's salary and then COVID hit and I lost mm. every, every single client. Oh. Um, so that was pretty heartbreaking. 
but it also made me transition to doing something that was a little more meaningful to me where I got more value, which is what rising father is. So, you know, I, I still have some clients. I still do that, but I'm actively trying to grow this to reach more people. But I look back at that time now, like, Oh, that was a failure or any of that. Like that was me learning to do so many of these different things. Like the, the thought of going on like a sales call with a million millionaire realtor from Boston, cold call and closing them in 45 minutes like 10 years ago would have been terrifying to me. Yeah. But and like, now? that's something I do, you know, that's, yeah. that's like what, and it's, it's not that big of a deal. And then same thing, like all the tech stuff, all the algorithm, all the reels, all the YouTube shorts, all that kind of stuff. And luckily I found a really great people group of people from a Facebook ad. Like I clicked on a Facebook ad. I took this guy's course. I'm in his program and I get to learn all this stuff, which makes the path easier. But yeah, like all these skills you learn as you're building, like the only the only way it's a waste is if you quit. That's it. Like the only way that all these things you learn gets thrown in a trash can is if you just give up. Because then it's like you have all this momentum building, you all have all this compound effort going up, and then when you quit, boom, you just start over. You either you either win, you either win or you learn, right? Got to be your mindset. You either win or yeah. you learn. That applies to the kids too, like. Like that applies to parenting. That apply. I mean, this is why everything on purpose is 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 our mantra. That is like, if if you if you fail, use the metaphor. The, yesterday, the other day, I went for a PB on my way to dips and I failed. And Vince, my brother was filming it, so it's embarrassing. He's, you can literally see the moment when either my mind went or my my triceps went. Like one or the other went. But that same mindset of like, and then what do I learn? Okay, I learn. Okay, I'm not ready for that weight. Maybe I my form. The same mindset has to be applied to parenting, uh, applied to marriage, applied to your job. You either win or you learn things. And I, and I, and I think when you operate that way, you, you live, you know, again, I'll come back to this book. You live in what, what um, uh, you live in the, the, the gap or sorry, you live in the gain. You end up living in a gain. And, and even if you're losing things, you're, you're gaining because you're gaining the lessons from them. And I think that's just such a i don't know why more people don't see it that way maybe it's maybe scary fa- yeah it's scary for a lot of in- guys embarrassing failure yeah. is fair failure is embarrassing too yeah embarrassing you don't want to look bad you don't want to and i also think it comes ba- down to you don't want to um alter your vision of your own identity like if, if you think if you've built up your ego and a self-identity to the point where you see a clear picture of yourself and then you try something completely new and you fall on your face, that really throws a spear and cracks your identity of yourself. And I think a lot of guys are scared to go down that road. Yeah. You know, if you see yourself as this big, strong, tough guy and you're a big bodybuilder, and then you go into your first jujitsu class, which terrifies you, and then a white belt who's 100 pounds less than you chokes you out, that's terrifying. You know, you yeah. that you really question yourself after that. Your self-confidence might be, it could either be shattered or you could be super motivated to come back to the next class. Yeah. And, not, you know, where guys split is where you see the two different types of people. Yeah. 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 You, <laughs> that's a powerful image getting choked out by a white belt. And then what, what would the, what would the solution be in that moment? Come back, figure out how this guy choked me out. What, you know where I think a lot of men struggle is they don't – there's a lot of conversation right now about manning up, right? Like man up. Like, you know, the white belt choked you out. You need to man up and, like, be tougher, get through that, 
deal with it. And where I think that's a mistaken concept is that manning up or or doing hard things only works if you're then equipped with some tools to be able to be better the next time. Right? So so the guy who like gets a better mindset and goes into the jiu-jitsu studio, is he going to be able to choke that guy out if he doesn't understand any of the moves? Like, certainly he can improve his mindset, but he also has to be taught some tactics. I think, I think a lot of dads don't have tactics for parenting. They're parenting based on only what they saw, which might have mm-hmm. been good, might have been bad, maybe what they see on television. Um, and I think it's so important to equip men like I would never tell a new guy in our program, we have we, we start by building body. So I would never tell a guy to to start with, you know, deadlifting three hundred pounds. Doesn't matter what his mindset is, that weight's not going up. Right. So we have to have some tactics. We have to have progressive overload. Over the weeks we're gonna add more weight. We have to talk about driving your legs through the floor. We have to talk about you know, your arms as um your 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 uh, how how you're going to position your arms like you know you have to do those things you have to give them some tactics not just give them a mindset so I think you need both if that makes sense Chris absolutely yeah. um and for that guy who got choked out and goes back to the jujitsu gym or is thinking about going back to the jujitsu gym there's that lesson it's like what's the more important lesson he has to decide is it learning how to choke this guy out and win or is it being comfortable putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and going through it. Yeah. Because that's what it, if you want to keep on learning new things, you have to be willing to fall on your face a bunch of new times. Like if you were a teacher and you just said, Hey, I'm, this is what I want to do. You know, I'd love to start a business and move on with my life in that way. But man, I'm that that's going to be learning a lot of new stuff. That's going to be scary. I don't know if I want to do that. Then you could be stuck doing that. What you don't want or what, you know, stuck just being a teacher, doing nothing else your entire life because you were afraid to try the new thing. Mm. But just that initial being like, okay, getting thrown in your face. Like we have this new guy at the gym. He's a, I'm in a, probably by next year, I'll be a purple belt. So I'm about three years in pretty, you know, for a newbie, pretty experienced. And we've got this white belt. He just joined. He's a 290 pound college wrestler. Okay. Destroying everyone. Okay. I've, I've rolled with him four times. I've I've tapped him once. Every other time, he just annihilated me. Why? Because he's, he's so much bigger. Um. Well, he's also an athlete. He's wrestled. He's wrestled <laughs> yes. too. Like he knows. He knows he his has, way around the mat. He has a hundred pounds on me. Um. He looks like he can squat six hundred pounds. Like his <laughs> short. Like I tried to. Tr- we did a situation after one of our rolls where I tried to choke him in a triangle. Like where he was letting me do it, and I. I was like, let me see if I can choke you with my legs. Yeah. And his shoulder muscle is so big, yeah. you can barely do it. But it's not even just a muscle. It's He's a college wrestler, so he knows how to use his body and use his weight. So, you know, he can submit you with a bunch of different wrestling things, just how to, you know, put your shoulder in your gut. But, like, I still asked to roll with this guy, knowing that he's going to beat me, yeah. knowing that it'll be – it could be embarrassing. Yeah. If I thought, hey, I shouldn't be getting submitted by a white belt, but like you have to be okay putting yourself in that situation if you want to get better, because I want to know how to submit guys that big. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where. I think that's a, a word that I'm hearing a lot in 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 the world is this word of vulnerability, right? Like vulner. Yeah. And what I think vulnerability is is 
is being wholehearted. And, 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 and what I mean by that is like, you know that putting yourself into the position with this 290-pound guy who you know you can't beat, you are totally exposed. You're exposed. Your weaknesses are exposed, and you're, you're totally out there. That's what I mean by wholehearted. Like, you're out there. Like, all – you're on display. Uh, maybe, maybe like, everyone can see you. And, and I assume when you guys are wrestling, other people are watching as uh, – sorry, um, uh, fighting uh, guys are watching. And I think what being vulnerable does is it creates the potential that in it being fully exposed, you are going to come out of there a much better version of yourself, right? You're going to go in fully exposed, and as a result, this, this trial – will harden you and you will become a better person, a better fighter, have a better mindset. You then take that home to your family, to your kids, to your wife, like to your job and, and, and being vulnerable, knowing, I don't think, I, I don't know if I can do this one. I'm not quite sure. I think you have to do that. You have to lean into those incredibly uncomfortable moments. And I don't think vulnerability means just like telling everybody about your personal life. I think yeah. that's how it's miscued a lot. Vulnerability is being totally exposed kind of letting your heart be able to be broken, your body be able to be broken, but knowing that if you go through that experience, you'll be better on the other side. I've, I've struggled Absolutely. with that. That's something I've struggled with a lot of my life, being vulnerable, because it's uncomfortable. <laughs> Super uncomfortable, right? Yeah. In some ways, it's easier to just stay in your lane and stay on your path. Yeah. You know, And, and if, even for me doing, you know, I, I transitioned my even my brand in the one and a half years it's been going many different directions in terms of the type of content I put out and my message. And, you know, you, you ha whenever you put your face on camera, like that's a massive hurdle that 90% of people out there can't do. And it's, that's another thing that I've, you know, really been intentional about wanting to improve because I, I know opportunities come to people and I know I can be much more effective at what I do if I can communicate clearly if I'm comfortable being on camera and if, and if I can speak well and present well. So yeah. I've been reading so many communication books, how to talk, you know, how to, you know, deliver your point and all this kind of stuff. But like doing that for the first time, you know, doing a selfie video and putting it out there on Instagram where who knows, maybe a million people could see it tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe some of your students see it. Maybe, you know, maybe your parents, <laughs> you know, maybe your friends see it. Yeah. Like being able to do that and being okay with it. It's just a massive personal barrier that I had to break through. And it's still not completely gone, you know, no. like, oh, man, because I've said some stupid stuff. There's been some times where I'm like, I, I got to get this content done for tomorrow. I'm going to record this. And I was like, ah, oh, that was pretty good. And then, and then, and then, you know, you post it and they're like, shit, shouldn't yeah. have posted that. That's yeah. not coming yeah. off very well. Yeah. You know what? Um, let me share, if you don't mind, something personal with you. I only yeah. see out of one eye. So when I was, when I was three months old, I got a, a virus and I ended up developing something called third nerve palsy. And as a result, my right eye went completely blind. And as a result, I'm sure you can tell people, uh, people aren't watching this, but my eye wanders. If you look at my Instagram, you can see my right eye, it wanders. And for years, I found ways to hide it as best I could. Um, I would wear like sunglasses or I'd wear glasses, just regular indoors, you can't wear sunglasses, so I'd wear glasses. Or I would just like kind of keep my face hidden. Um, or when I felt uncomfortable, vulnerable in those moments, uh, my therapist helped me work through this, but what I would always do when I felt uncomfortable 
the story I would tell myself in my head is like, they're all looking at your eye right now. They're all looking Mm -hmm. at your eye. They all think it looks weird. That's what I would tell myself. And so what I got really good at, Chris, was being sarcastic. (laughs) When when I felt like tension or, 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 or like that exposed yep. feeling. And I, I don't think it's dissimilar to you trying to choke out the 290-pound guy. You feel exposed. You find a way to hide. And how I hid was through sarcasm. I'd crack a joke. That's what I'd do. So that then I could say to myself, oh, good, they're laughing. And, and, and there was like a release of like, for me, it was like, okay, they're not talking. They're not thinking about your eye right now. They're now laughing at this joke. And that was that has been the, the the greatest insight of my 30s. I turned 40 this year. The greatest insight of my 30 with with my therapist has been saying, you have to own your story. Your eye shaped you into who you are. This mm-hmm. thing that you're so insecure about is probably your superpower. It's probably the thing that's made you the most resilient, the most self-confident, the most vulnerable, and those are the things that make you who you are and so i've totally experienced that like the first video i literally filmed on my instagram yep like i was like hello like that's how (laughs) i started the first one and i and i said to my wife the next day like (laughs) like what do you think she's like yeah it's it's like my wife doesn't want to be on social media and, and and uh and for many reasons but anyways like it was so it is so hard i would say it is so hard I like how you said that to put your face out there, like aside from social media, but just to put your face out there, like to put yourself in the world and like be bold, be vulnerable, be wholehearted, even if you can't predict if that's going to result in any good for anyone. And you know what I found when I have posted on my Instagram about my eye? my engagement goes way up, <laughs> right? Because people want to hear that stuff. They want to hear that because they, they, they got insecurities too. So yeah. it's not a selling tactic. It's just like a way to connect. People are insecure about how they look, how they sound, uh, you know, what they do for a living, how their kids are, how their marriage is. And so when you can talk about it freely, mm-hmm. it just releases people to talk about their stuff too. Well, way more people have issues Everyone has issues, but Every, on Instagram. everyone put it on the record, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But on Instagram, you see pictures of posts that do well. If mm. they do well, that means that thousands or millions of people are liking that one picture. That means that millions of people are on the other side, wanting to be or appreciating that one good thing. So whenever you see, you know, one hundred pictures on Instagram. Behind that is a hundred million people liking those pictures. It's not like a hundred million people are doing well. It's like, no, you're seeing a hundred versions of things of reality that are positioned well. And every, you know, 99, 100% of people have their own insecurities, their own problems, their own issues. So whenever you can be honest about that and shares, share that you're connecting to 100% of people. Yeah. You know, that's not the ripped perfect guy who posts on Instagram, you know, that's a motivational, aspirational dream to go towards, you know, and even he has tons of issues, you know, your life could be a million times more put together than his. Yeah. But whenever you're so honest about yourself and your own problems, then yeah, you're connecting with every single person out there. And that's just such a, that's something I have to remind myself constantly all the time, like on, on social media, 
you are not seeing like the things you see, you're seeing them because they are successful and popular. Like yeah. the podcast, the pop-up, the post, the pop-up from influencers, you're seeing that because they're successful. They are the one in the million. There's also a million people trying to do what that person's doing yeah. who can relate to what you're going through right now. Yeah, I hear like, you. And it's so hard because you you want to compare yourself to, hey, this guy, you know, he's got a million followers. I see his posts all the time. And oh, I, every day I see his posts and it gets me upset that I'm not at a million followers. No, you're seeing his post because he's already successful. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's a great point. Why why do you think we do that to ourselves then? Like how many users are on Instagram every day? How like you know, billion bill, billion yeah. users whatever. Why why do we compare then? Like why like that's actually why my wife got off social media because when mm -hmm. we had our kids 10 years ago, you know, a number of her girlfriends had kids and they'd all post stuff on Facebook it was like, um, you know, Ronan slept through the night last night, 14 hours straight, or Ronan didn't wake up for a ball, as if, like, they did something. To, you know, they just won a genetic lottery where their kid was, was calm, right? And my wife, like, started internalizing it around, like, yeah. our kid slept 20 minutes and then, and then was up and then another 40 and then was up and then eight minutes. So she just couldn't see that because it was always, well, if their life is – this way i i just can't put myself i can't i can't let that make me feel worse about myself and yet we people keep going back to it is it well, that's I, something <laughs> that is a struggle for me it's something that i ponder all the time it's something yeah. i journal about yeah um and it's not because of social media social social media just made it extremely easy to do yeah because I remember before, like, I didn't get a cell phone until I was in college. I didn't have Facebook until I was in college. Um, and I remember being in high school without any social media. The only thing I had in high school was one TV in our living room that didn't have cable that most of the time my dad locked away in the basement. So it was just me and my friends. But still at that point, you would look at, like I was a saxophone player, okay? And then we'd go to like an honors band and I'd have to audition to try to win a saxophone competition or something. And then outside of the room, you'd walk into a room, you'd play your saxophone in front of a teacher and he would judge you and you would try to get into this honors band. But outside the room, you would hear other high school kids playing the same excerpt faster than you. And then you would hmm. think, and then you would think oh, the same thoughts in your head, like, oh, I should play faster. And what would happens to kids, because I also teach private saxophone lessons. I said, what happens to kids is you practiced one thing for six months. You go to the audition, you hear this kid who you don't know, you know, you don't know his story playing it faster than you outside of the audition. Then you think you need to play it faster. So you play it faster than you screw the whole thing up. Yeah. Like that's what happened. But so it happened, I feel like it still happened before social media, but just on a much slower, yeah. lesser scale. But now it's like, they just gave you a blowtorch and because, you know, if you're on social media one or two hours a day, and like even if you're just working your business, you're still going to see a thousand pictures or videos. Yeah. You know, even if you're just scrolling through and not clicking on them. I I would make like I mean, I'd say a couple things there. Uh, I would say first of all, yes, it is important to stay in your lane, right? The saxophone kid, like stick to your plan. Like you've been playing it at this speed, stick to that plan, and I think that's important. Like. To, to, I think that requires you have a plan. <laughs> you have to be working. Like you actually have a plan that you're working towards. The other thing I would say, though, is that comparison, my pastor used to say this, comparison is the mother of clarity. 
And what I mean by that is when you see other people's lives, it allows, it, it helps to clarify the beliefs you have. So when I see a dad, like, reaming out his kid at the park, um, and yelling, like, Christmas is canceled, or, you know, something like this, like, you know, it, it clarifies the kind of father I want to be. I want to be a patient father. I want to be a connected father. I want to be an understanding father. And so when, by, by comparing sometimes, it does, if you're thinking critically enough, can help you realize, okay, th that's something that I could contrast what I'm doing against so that I can become better. So I, I absolutely understand that social media is not something we should compare to because it's the one in a million things that we're actually seeing. But I think in other contexts, comparison can absolutely make us better. I mean, I think that's why men probably join your community because they want to see how other men are doing it to, 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 to raise them up, to rise, to rise them up. Right. That's uh, that's what I think. Um, comparison can be valuable if you, um, if you use it to, to get you to your goals, I think. Yeah. If you're disciplined with how you think about it, mm. you know, in, in the example I gave with the, with the saxophone player, you know, for that specific situation, yeah, stick to your plan. Don't, the second before you perform, say, I'm going to try this faster because the guy outside is playing it faster. And then, yeah, if you can use social media intentionally like a tool um, and you have your own emotions under control, then, yeah, I, th I think then that it can be. Because if you're, you know, broken a little bit on the inside or you're you're really looking for some um, mentorship or, or you're looking for a group to fall onto under, you know, you can go down some holes that are either bad for you or really good for you. There's, there's a guy on social media who, who has a, another dad brand and, and I've been following his page and I'm literally watching. He's getting, you know, his following is growing exponentially to ours. And I've had to say, I can't check that page anymore. I love what you said. You have to know your emotions, right? This guy's page triggers me. And so I have to protect myself from that. It's not bringing me that one. That comparison is not rising me up. That comparison is bringing me down. And so I have to find other things to, that I can compare to, to that aren't so far out of reach that they're just going to discourage me, but, but are going to help me rise. And, and so I think, I think knowing your emotions, knowing yourself, knowing what triggers mm -hmm. you, you said that great, Chris, um, that's, that's, that's where I'm going to put my time. And I can, I have some, I, I go through the same thing. And what I come back to is you don't know their story. Yeah. It's just like going to the gym and seeing a guy who's more in shape than you. You don't know that he could be on steroids, which I'm finding is like lots more people than I thought. Yeah. My, my brother <laughs> says like, if a guy, if, if a guy's jacked at our age, he's on juice. That's my brother. I, I just, that's blown my <laughs> All mind. Of them. Like, yeah. I joined this new gym. Um, a powerhouse gym and like the more i talk to these people it's like wow so many people are on steroids but that's besides the point you yeah. don't know how long they've been training like this could be your first week they maybe this is a 10-year journey for them yeah and if they, even if they say oh you know i took a couple you know i this is my first time at the gym yeah maybe they took one month off but same thing there's dad brands that explode and other ones that don't and there's this one particular dad brand where i was going through the same thing um, I was like, man, they are getting a hundred followers a day, you know, there's a thousand more followers in last week. What are they doing? And I'd, and it, 
comparison, like you said, can be beneficial because one thing that happens on social media is it's, it's algorithmic and it's patterns. If a pattern is successful, the Instagram account, um, the brand will boost your content if it's similar to something that's successful. That's just a fact of life on social media. Yeah. Um, so I was looking at his stuff and say, what's he doing? Hmm. And you can either say, I'm going to do exactly what he does, but you got to not do that. You know, got to stay, stay true to your message. But then I said, man, all this organic content is just blowing up and it makes you ponder changing your message or changing your tactics. That's a good and word, have, Chris. Ponder. Ponder is a great word. That's a great because, word. Yeah. And I write this stuff down. I say, yeah. because I know I'm going to be tempted. If I see someone else doing something, something really successful, I'm going to be tempted to change what I'm doing. Yeah. And I have to write it down and say, hey, you're thinking about doing this. Why are you thinking about doing it? Is it because he's successful right now? Is that why you want it? What's your long-term vision for the brand and for your community? Yeah. But then for this one specific person that I was looking at who was just blowing up, like he started way below me and now he's like above me. I'm like, what is happening? But then I saw one of, you know, um, one of his ads popped up specifically towards gaining followers, which is fine. You're a business. Do whatever you have to do to be successful. But in my mind, I was saying, you know, all of his organic content is so great. He's doing this way better than I am. And I didn't know that he had all these ads running, paying money for, mm. that was getting him tons and tons of followers. Yeah. Um, and you can check that on anyone's profile. You can see if they're running ads. Yeah. Um, but you'll to me, that to, was my you'll have thing. To, you'll like, have to show me how to do that. <laughs> that would help me with some of these comparison games I'm playing with myself. <laughs> because I didn't know that. I didn't know his story. I didn't know where he came in. Yeah. I didn't know how much his, I didn't know he's putting money into it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I made that own story up to myself and hurt myself because whenever I feel like that, I do less good work that day. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, do. I'm less creative. I'm, I'm more negative. I feel down. And then I put out less good content. Yeah. And I just, I get less done whenever I play the comparison game. Yeah. You got to do that. What we talked about at the start, you got to measure backwards, right? You're all, you, you have a growth mindset. I've listened to enough of your stuff to know that you, you want, you want to rise. Your brand is very well chosen, right? You want to help fathers rise. Um, but you got to also look at where you came from. I think it's so important to look at where you came from so that you can recognize I am on I am on the mountain. Maybe I'm not at the peak, but I am absolutely not at base camp anymore. I am absolutely moving up. And if you don't take those moments to ponder, I love that word, um, like what am I doing? Is it aligned with my goals? Is it getting me to the peak that I'm climbing? Then, yeah, you can get distracted. You can fall right off the cliff, right? Yeah, it's it's a daily struggle. And that's yeah. why I think for me just journaling has really helped that out. Like yes. when do you have these thoughts? Is it after blank? And even yeah. just, you know, a week of tracking my thoughts and all that stuff, you can say, man, you were, you were doing this. Like I have a blog style website also. Like I was writing a blog on my goal. For, one of my goals for the day when I checklist was to finish this blog and publish it. Yeah. And without even looking, I picked up my phone. I clicked on Instagram. I did a quick scroll, saw this one guy's post was exploding. So, and I felt immediately within 10 seconds, yeah. took me off track made me feel worse about myself. And I was like, oh, oh, whenever you have a task to do, Chris, you need to understand that you need to not look at it. You know, put your phone away, get your thing done because you know this about yourself now. If you see someone, whether it's good or bad, 
it's a fault of my own. It's something I need to solve. If I see someone else doing super well and I, I will begin to question myself why I'm not doing that well. Yeah. But that's not going to make me quit. You know, I'm still going to go through like that's the thing. Anyone that sticks with it is going to be successful. I truly believe that. Like I, I believe that too. Like whenever I'm 50, I'm going to want to say, thank God when I was at, when I was 35, I didn't quit. Yeah. Like Chris, do you know, um, have you done the Enneagram before? I think, I think yeah. my wife, like a year ago, do, I do the I Enneagram, I, I, I do the Enneagram. It's a personality, um, helps you understand your personality. It's it's, but what I love about the Enneagram is it, it, it helps you understand your, your type. You, what you're describing to me a little bit is uh, type three. It's it's what my brother is as well. It's um, the, the the achiever, and and it's the person who's always achievement oriented, moving towards the next peak. And one of the things that achievers need to remember is the power of self reflection, right? Of, of of just sitting in the moment. My my therapist says that a good compliment should sit with you for 15 seconds. And typically, like let's say your wife <laughs> says. Uh, Hey, you, you, you know, you were really great with, you were really great with Nathan today. You were really great with him. You're like, yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks. And then you move on to the next. You have to like let that just like. You're describing me, buddy. Yes. <laughs> Is that right, eh? <laughs> I, I don't appreciate any of the good things that I've done. <laughs> That's need, not completely true. That's not true. But I mean, yeah, but if, if someone gives me a compliment, I usually want to get past it right away. Why? Are you uncomfortable? It does. It makes yeah. me uncomfortable. I think it makes me like there's been situations where like I'll be at a party and then a family party and I've just completed something great, you know, um, like I, I did a big backyard project and it looks amazing. And then there'll be like 10 people telling me how great it is. And I, I'm just like, I want to leave right now. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not good at accepting compliments, but luck, but I know that about myself and I know yeah. that's something I need to work on. You, or you undermine it, right? Yeah, but that like one board over there or that, you know, those two screws didn't quite go in on the angle. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but I, I think it's so important for men to – guys are like, I never feel validated. But maybe you're being validated. Maybe you're getting compliments, and you're just not taking the time to let them sink in. Like One of the things I do at the end of every school year is I have my students write feedback on the course, and I look at the, the criticisms – but I also take the time to write out all the compliments and then I hang them on my wall and I read them. Like I just, otherwise it's too easy to like, yeah, be your own worst critic. Like you have to, like maybe let's go back to the jujitsu example. Maybe you got choked out, but maybe you lasted five minutes long or I don't know how long the match is, right? But maybe you lasted 30 five seconds long. Yeah, five minutes. Yeah, maybe you lasted longer than the last match um, or maybe you did a move that you couldn't do in the last game. And, and I think sitting in those moments can help you create that growth mindset of like, yeah, I'm not all bad. I got a lot of good stuff. And I don't know why this, I, I grew up in the, you grew up in the, the Catholic church. Um, I grew up in the Christian church and Christians are really good at letting you know about your sins. I'll use the as you know, it's, they're really good at like letting you know that you've fallen short, really good at letting you know how much you need to be saved. And, and those aren't, bad messages when when um communicated properly but a lot of people grow up feeling like they're just a big failure and you have to take time to be like no i i've got a lot of good stuff going on i i got a lot of good things and and sitting in those moments can really help you form a sense of identity that you're okay with yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. and it's not just that you tell yourself you're doing good things for the sake of it 
you know. No, no, I don't believe in false pre- I don't believe in that like self love. Like like if you're overweight, that's a problem. Yeah. Like I don't want to shame you for it, but we need to address like the fact that you being overweight is that means you can't show up well for your kids. You know, your Absolutely. kids want you to go jump off a cliff on the camping trip and, and you can't do it because you're out of shape. We need to talk about, okay, what are the contributing factors? Maybe there's some medical things we need to pay. So I'm not about like, love yourself. You're perfect the way you are. But I'm certainly, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly about asking people to step up to the next level. And, and I think that's okay to do that. I really think that's okay to do that. Yeah, 100%. And whenever you do build yourself up, you know, I'm, and I'm not against positive affirmations or any of that kind of stuff. I say, use it like a tool. Um, if you need it one day, use it, you know, take motive, whatever's going to get you to get your list done, do it. And even if that's, you know, you get the compliment, you feel good. If you're in a better mood, you can yeah. get more of your stuff done and be a better husband and father. Hundred percent. Like same thing with even like taking, I know so many guys are against naps. I I'm a, a big power nap believer because for me like it doesn't work for everyone but for me i can take like a seven eight minute power nap and i'm a new person it's way more effective than me drinking a bang energy drink like Mm. if i my eyes start to droop i just know i can't i can barely make sentences anymore like all right i gotta lay down for eight (laughs) minutes i do i lay down i can feel my like face change and i just boom i get up i feel great yeah um but like i do that you know so that it changes the rest of my day and i feel better when i feel better I'm better at business. I'm better talking. I'm better husband. I'm better father. I'm more happy. You know, I make, I'm a different person. Yeah. You know, I, same thing with working out, doing jujitsu, all that kind of stuff. Like if, after you take care of yourself like that, like you, I have new thoughts. It's like, I'm not just better. Like I'm actually, I feel like I'm a different person after I do these things. Cause it changes your brain. You know, you, it, it does. It changes your brain. And And one of the things we teach our guys is at the end of every day, they have a they have a daily check in they do and we say write your top three wins or your best three things today and it, and it changes your there's always three things that that are worth that are that are worth reflecting on even if you lost at something you learned something so even even losses can be refrained as wins and and I think I think we need to take the time to do that to validate that we're trying now I would say there are some people who aren't who are just like have settled and they need to be called to a higher level. Um, I don't think, I, I think there's always like good things, but I also think people have to, to earn it. Like if somebody is, is overweight and you say, you know, you're, you're great though. You're great though. Um, because you went to the gym once last year. I think what we do need to have is like benchmarks and we say, let's set a goal. You want to go to the gym three times a week. And then when you do that, you are going to feel so good about yourself when you do it. And then let's, ponder let's reflect on those things to help us continue moving forward so i think i think there has to be like a goal has to be like benchmarks that we're trying to hit and then there has to be validation of those benchmarks along the way and those three things really get people get people moving i'll tell you that yeah and i this is such a simple thought and i've been thinking about it recently but you know if you want if you say hey i want to change my life in the future like you have to actually change your life and that doesn't And that's, it's so stupid to say, and I know that, but like, that means that if you want to be financially free in the, in the, you want to lose a hundred pounds, like everything you do today has to be different than everything you did yesterday. Like your entire day literally has to be different. You have to change your life right now. 
Like if you want it to be different in the future, right now has to be different. If you're used to waking up at nine and, you know, watching TV for an hour and a half and then like, no, tomorrow has to be different or else nothing is going to change. Yeah. It's tough. Like if you're a guy and, you know, you're not used to, you're just used to 35 years of doing the exact same thing. And it's like, okay, it's time to change. Like, yeah, you might have to eat at a different time. You might have to eat something different. You may have to, like the world as you know, it has to be different if you want a different world in the future. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so let's end here. Sure. It's been awesome talking to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. with your, um, with your program, guys come into it and you said, you said there's like a group message where people talk, um, you support each other and you said, what is the, what, what else does your program look like? Like if some guy's looking for more guidance or what, what else happens in your program? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, what happens in Men of Bedrock is someone would come in and we have three, four month focuses. So in the first four months, what we focus on are establishing um, five high impact habits. The first high impact habit is the last hour of the day. Last hour of the day is actually the most important hour of the day because it shapes the tone of everything that follows the next day. A lot of guys are like, I can't wake up early. It's like, yeah, no shit. You went to bed at 1, 1 a.m. So we help guys establish that. How are you going to spend the last hour of the day? Uh, number two habit is um, how are you going to spend um, the first hour or the first 30 minutes of the day? And we talk about stacking wins. So my, my three wins every morning are I'm up at 4.30. 435, I empty the dishwasher. Active service sets the tone of the man I want to be. Win number two is I journal. Win number three is I, I fuel and I, I get ready for my workout. So last hour of the day is habit one. Habit two is um, first hour of the day. Then habit three is the gym. Guys got to be in shape. So most of the guys in our program in three months lose, depending on where they're starting, they lose anywhere from 20 to 40 pounds um, because they're back in the gym and so in the first phase, we're really focused on helping men become intentional by, by putting those habits into their life. The way that we help you do that is we send you a journal, which helps guide you through. It's, it's, a, it's a custom journal that we've written. The second thing we do is we have a weekly call. Men check in. That's a fantastic time. But the most valuable thing we do is we put you in a group chat of eight guys. And every day, there's exactly how Vince and I did it when we did 75 hard. <laughs> we have eight guys in the group. Everybody has a checklist of their non-negotiable daily disciplines. And every day, they're checking in with either did it. I started at night. They had to give a green check or a red X. Um, all their habits for the day, um, they check in at night. And then guys ask them questions. Hey, man, what happened? You didn't get your reading done today. Hey, man, what happened? You didn't get the gym today. So that's how we hold men accountable and because it's only an eight person group people don't get lost like they, they yeah. know each other right guys reach out to each other um guys like when they're in each other's cities they go like hang out with each other um so that's our first four months in the second four months we apply the same level of intentionality to habits around the family um and those habits are I'll give you one habit, Chris. I want you to try this one tonight, okay? We call it the D15. The D15 is the daily 15 minutes that you're going to sit with your wife and talk about the day. 15 minutes a day. Establish, like, when can you do that every single day? Or, you know, there could be emergencies where you can't get it. But for the most part, you're sitting 
for 15 minutes. That's a daily habit where you sit and connect with your wife. Um, I think with the kids at the age our kids are at, it's so easy to miss connection time because you're so focused Absolutely. on the kids, right? Getting them to their activities, getting them to school. You miss that time with your wife. So we have similar habits for family life. And then the final four months, our habits shift to self-knowledge, to knowing yourself. Uh, we help people with the Enneagram. That's a tool that we, that we bring in. Uh, help people establish habits around building a personal or a family mission statement. And so the idea of our program, every four months, we carry on our intentional living to um, a different area of our, of our life. First is body, then is heart, then is, um, then is mind. That's how our program set up. Now, do you have separate groups for each phase? Uh, so the guys who just have finished phase one, they'll now go into phase two. So they'll, okay. the guy, but they carry on with the stuff from phase one. So the guys who yeah. are working out, um, the workouts actually get harder in phase two because they've built some foundation and stuff. Um, so they're still starting at night. They're still owning the morning, but the conversations we're going to have have to do with the habits with the kids, um, mm -hmm. and the, and the, and the parents. Um, okay. and then as the guys go to phase two are, um, we're, we're, that's what we're selling right now. We're selling a, a new group of guys that will come into phase one. That's how, and then, got it. You know, yeah, along the way. Yeah. And you've got yeah, sorry, go specific, you got specific workouts for, um, for the guys, yeah. right? We, re we really believe that fitness is at the core of this. Th there's a lot of guys groups out there that, that are, that help you with conversations, give you tactics around the home. But we think that a man is so empowered when he does physical things. Like fitness will always be a cornerstone for us. You know, the primary reason is a lot of guys are grinding in midlife. They're just like, get the kids to school, get the kids home, get the kids lunches, get the kids dinners. Like, you know, physical fitness is like, how did you describe it a second ago? It's like, it changes your whole energy. Yeah. <laughs> like like I, I PB'd on my deadlift this morning. I feel phenomenal. <laughs> and then yeah. I take that self-confidence when I come home with my sons. Like it's just that's that's how it totally – that's how it works. So that's one thing. It, it gives you that sense of self-confidence. It also shows your son – I think that being physically fit is something that the kids it, – it's caught, not taught. You, you know what I mean? I can tell my boys to be fit, tell my boys to take care of their bodies. But if I'm not, they're not going to do it. Right. So they have to they have to see us in action. So being physically fit is like cornerstone of of our program. Um, one of our other daily habits is we call it measure and track. And that has to do with um, so we provide a whole diet plan. Uh, mm -hmm. We provide uh, some of the guys as they move along. They want to actually track macros. We don't do that initially. But early on, some guys want to get a little more specific. So, yeah, um, but but food, another daily habit. What, what do you put into your body? really shapes the person you are. So, um, yeah, fitness, fitness goes all the way. I would say we're not, we're not, we're not a group of guys who are trying to get down to like 5% body fat, but a lot of our guys are going to get pretty ripped and lean. Like, like, you know, we're lifting heavy weights in the gym. Like, um, yeah, we're not, we're not like a beginner. Maybe guys start as a beginner, but by the end of the year, they've really cranked out some good workouts. Yeah. It's not, you know, being ripped is, is fun. You know, I, before I was married and had kids, I, I was at that point. Um, but for me, it's more getting in great shape. You know, you want to love how you look and you want to be able to do whatever you want to do. We, we, we call you know? the we call it the bedrock body. The bedrock body is strong enough to live the life your family needs. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I if I'm ripped, but I can't carry groceries in for my wife, <laughs> I'm just a douchebag. Like you know, it's like yeah, you, you absolutely like we were camping this weekend. My sons wanted to like climb up the rapids, and I was like physically straining to hold my five year old on my back. I wasn't in good shape. I couldn't give those my boys the adventures they need, the adventures they want. So fitness yeah. is not about yeah, sure it's about my self confidence, but it's absolutely about what I can then offer my family. Yep. Awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, and after we're done here, I'll, I have a couple other questions for you, but sure. um, thank you so much, Adrian with men of bedrock had an awesome conversation and uh, we'll talk again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks bud.